your host of The Cell. I invite you to listen to our program every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. I would also like to thank you for listening to Community Radio on WGRN LP 94.1 FM, Columbus. With the pandemic still on with the COVID-19, the Faith Thomas Foundation is still practicing social distancing. So therefore, we are not the studio. We are at home trying to do our program. Please forgive any sounds that you might hear while we're taping the show, but we hope that you enjoy tonight's topic. We're going to be talking about domestic violence. And to help us to discuss this topic and this issue, we have with us Sue Belillo with Lutheran Social Services, and she works with Choices. Hi, Sue. Hi. Thank you so much for having me here and allowing me to talk about the work that we're doing at Choices. And I also like to say hello to Mr. Ernest Kelly. Hi, Ernie. Hello. Hello, Sue. Seen Hi. your name quite a bit in a lot of the articles with Lutheran Social Services. Yes, we do a lot of different things at LSS, and I am responsible for. Uh, Choices for Victims of Domestic Violence, Faith Mission, and Hands-On Central Ohio. So a lot of good work in the community coming out of those programs, and that's probably where you've heard my name before. Yeah, I was tired just looking at all the responsibilities you have. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I am really fortunate in that while I have these responsibilities, there are such great people working in these programs that it, my job is actually very easy. <laughs> well, can I ask you, how long have you, how, how long have you been there? Um, I've been there um, coming up on my 13th year anniversary. I started with wow. LSS um, as the executive director at Faith Mission and was there for about 10 years in that role and then took on this new role with Choices and Hands-On. Yeah, that's a real important role right now. Uh, Sue, I do have a question for you. Sure. Did Choices an acronym or how did the, the title Choices come about? It is not an acronym, although a lot of people think that because it is capitalized. When Choices was founded back in I believe it was 1977, they actually had a different name, but that name was already um, being used by another program in the state. So they very quickly needed to change their name, and they selected Choices for Victims of Domestic Violence because most domestic violence victims don't have any real choices. Oh, okay. That's that's very interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Sue, and what made you come into this avenue of what it is that you're doing? What made you get into this particular program or this area? I'm a social worker. Social work is my background. I've done it for a very long time in the Columbus community. I had worked previously at Faith Mission as a case manager, and um, when they were in need of an executive director, I applied and was hired for that job. While I was at Faith Mission as the ED, um, Choices was looking for a larger agency to merge in with, and they selected Lutheran Social Services. And because I was there, because I knew shelter, because I have um, done some counseling with folks who were in domestic violence relationship, uh, we thought it would be great for me to go to Choices and to see what I could do there. So I was the executive director there for about six years. I just love that program. I think the work that they're doing is so incredibly important, particularly in this community where there aren't a lot of resources for victims. Um, so I think it's really important, and I was I was honored to be there. So what type of resources does Choices offer? 
So Choices operates a 24-hour crisis hotline, and that is a number people can call in at any time, speak to a trained advocate who can talk to them about their situation, link them with services. We often get calls just from friends or family members who are concerned about a loved one, and we can talk to them about what they could do to be helpful in the situation. In addition to that, we operate the only domestic violence shelter in all of Franklin County, so just one shelter in a county this size. Um, and also then we have some community day services. We have outpatient counseling for people who are have been who have experienced domestic violence. Um, and we have a program called Community Advocacy, which works with victims in their home who need some linkage to resources but don't need to come into the shelter. And lastly, we offer peer support and education group throughout the community. Hey, yeah, hey, Bill, I, I saw where you guys were getting a bigger facility, and I know you can't give the location out, but have you guys moved into that facility now, or is this still being uh, constructed? No, we have moved into it. We moved in last January, January of 2019, prior to the new facility, Choices was housed in literally a house that was 100 years old that had capacity for a house. It was actually two houses kind of fitted together. It was The building itself was 100 years old. We had capacity for only 51 people. That is about the size of the shelter in Marion. It, is, it was nowhere near big enough for a city the size of Columbus. Wow. So the new shelter, yeah, it's been a huge improvement. New shelter has 120 beds, lots of flexible space, and was designed actually to be a shelter and to accommodate the families that are coming in in crisis. I saw some of the stories that you guys do, and I, I was really uh, kind of taken with some of some of the stuff that those women were going through. So it is a good program. Thank you. Are all the bed bills, Susan? I would say today we are not quite full. We've had a little dip in shelter census since the stay-at-home order. One thing we know historically is any time we have a little dip in census, it gets followed by a rebound. So we are preparing for that. We don't exactly know when the rebound will come, but we expect that we will be well over capacity in the near future. Could you walk through the 24-hour domestic uh, hotline? Like what if, if I'm being abused or I have a friend that's being abused, what is it that the, like the referral hotline or information that you would give someone that is in crisis or that having some serious issues? One of the primary things we do on the hotline is help the person's safety plan. So we talk with them about all the different domains in their life. Where do they work? Where do they go to school? Where do they take their kids to school? Where do they socialize? And how do they make themselves safe in that environment, as well as help them if they're going to need to escape the situation that they're in, help them make a plan to be able to do that safely. Leaving a domestic violence relationship is the most dangerous time for a victim, so we really help people plan that out very carefully so that they can exit that abusive relationship safely. When you say plan, what are some of the things <laughs> that you might pair myself for a future exit? Sure. Some simple things and things you might have heard before. Have, have your papers all in one place, all your important documents. You can quickly grab them and go. If you're able to pack a small bag and it's not evident to your abuser, if you're able to do that and put it someplace in a way that your abuser won't know that you've done that, 
we advise people to do that. We advise people to have a code word with their friends or family. So if they call or text and this is the word that they're saying, they know, the friends or family know that they're in danger and they need to call the police. So, so those are some of the tips that we give people to help them start thinking about how they could leave the relationship. Ernie, you have any questions to follow up with her on that? Uh, just on the capacity question that you had responded to earlier, I know I saw recently in the dispatch where city attorney and yourself, you guys were kind of anticipating a rise in domestic violence during this stay at, at home. Have you seen any, any indications of that uh, happening? Well, what we've seen has been kind of interesting. Um, on our hotline, we have seen fewer calls from victims themselves, but more calls from police officers. Um, we have a partnership with Columbus Police Department, Franklin County Sheriff's Office, and then 19 other police municipalities within Franklin County. When they go on a domestic violence call, they will do a brief screening with the victim to determine if they are in high danger. And high danger means that this victim is likely to be seriously harmed or killed by their abuser. If the victim wow. screams high danger, yeah, it, it's frightening to think about that. Um, if a victim screams high danger, police officer actually calls us with the victim from the crime scene. They'll call our hotline and say, I'm here with Sue and I would really like her to talk to you. And then they will give their phone to the victim so that we can start planning with them around their safety or bring them into shelter if that's what's best for them. Um, so we've seen an wow. increase in those kinds of calls, but a decrease in people calling themselves. And we think that's probably because with the stay-at-home order, the, vic the victim and the abuser are in the house together, and the victim can't necessarily make that call. Oh, I see. Boy, that is uh, really uh, concerning. I, I can understand that, you know, the person that is abusing you is sitting right next, right next to you. Right, right. It's hard to call and get help in those situations or just the fear of even if they've left for a little bit, when will they be back? How long do I have? Can I make this call safely? Um, so I think there's a lot of fear for victims right now because abusers are in the household so much. So how do you get the word out to them? Well, things like this. So thank you so much for having me here because people will hear this and they will know someone is waiting at the other end of this phone call. If they call our hotline, someone is waiting to speak to them. Getting the word out, talking as much as we can about the program and about the hotline just so people know we're here and available. I have a question. Are you yeah. saying that the key word is high danger? Is that what a victim would say to the police? Or it's just no. that you have and you say that they're in a high danger category or that they have to verbally say high danger or indicate high danger? Or does the police officer just determine that? The police officer actually determines high danger. The police are using a standardized tool. It's 11 yes or no questions. And a person actually, by answering these questions, screens in high danger. And because our police officers, um, particularly in Columbus and, and the sheriff's office, go on so many DV calls, they can screen somebody in high danger no matter how they answer the questions because they have such great knowledge of what they're seeing in these situations and how much a person is in need of help and how what their level of danger is. Okay. So, how, can, how long do you house a person? Um, we work with the families for as long as they need to stay in the shelter or work in any of our programs, really, 
until they're ready to move on safely. That's really kind of our criteria. When they're ready to be done with our services in a safe way, that's when the services end. What type of counseling to help the individual go through this? So we have counseling out in the community um, for not necessarily for people staying in shelter, but for people who have typically gone through a domestic violence uh, situation and are trying to recover from the trauma of that. But we also have a counselor in the shelter who does both short-term individual counseling with the folks that are staying with us um, and does some group therapy activities as well. Ernie, you have a question for? Uh, I just wanted to, to follow up on that question about when the police officer is on the scene. Uh, will yes. they leave a, a victim there I mean, after they've determined that it's high danger? Not if the victim wants to leave. The police will actually bring the victim to our shelter if the victim wants to come into shelter. Okay. This has, okay. Been, this has been a great partnership with the police. Um, prior to this, when the police would go out on a DV call, they would, you know, leave behind some literature and say, you should probably call Choices. And we didn't get much response from that, as you can probably imagine. But now with the police right there with the victim making the phone call, it's really given us an opportunity to help people immediately. But they don't, they do not separate the abuser from his spouse or, or girlfriend at that moment? Um, it would depend on the situation. Okay. And I, I think the logistics of that probably are more police-oriented than I have knowledge of. Um, okay. But I know it, it's definitely situational as to whether or not they separate the parties. Oh, okay. So when you were talking about receiving counseling, do they – you also offer – I think I was getting that you do offer outpatient counseling also. They don't, just don't yeah. have to be individuals who are staying with you. So you do offer outpatient. Yes. Especially what about for children? We do not offer counseling for children. We really work with the Center for Family Safety and Healing and Children's Behavioral Health to provide children's therapy. Also, I see that Choices offer legal community, like legal services. We have a legal advocate, and what this person doesn't provide legal services. What they do is they understand the legal process related to domestic violence. They know how to get a protection order, those kinds of things, and they go through the process with the victim. So they actually will go to court with them and stand with them. They don't, they're not attorneys. They don't actually do the legal work. So it just gives them some confidence of what is taking place. Absolutely. It gives them some confidence and helps them understand what the process is. For example, in order to get a protection order, you are standing in court with your abuser and you're having to convince the judge as to why you are not safe around this person. So it's very frightening, very intimidating for a victim to have to go through. So to have someone there with them who knows the process uh, is really, really helpful to get people to feel comfortable in doing that. I noticed you guys took over the 211 call center. Can you uh, just talk on that a little bit? Sure. That's very recent. That just happened in March. Hands-on Central Ohio was looking for, again, a larger organization to join in with. There's a lot of financial and organizational efficiencies with a larger organization. Hands-on was super small. It has about 20 employees. So, again, they selected Lutheran Social Services as an agency that they wanted to merge with, much like Choices did. And they joined our organization then at the beginning of just this past March. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, Ernie and Sue, we need to take an identification break. 
Thank you for listening to The Cell. We broadcast on WGRN 94.1 FM every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. You can also stream us on WGRN 94.1 FM on Wednesday nights at 7.30 p.m. Due to the COVID-19, we have canceled our April 11th bowling event. However, our new date is Saturday, June 20th at the Columbus Bowling Palace. That's right, June 20th, which is also Father's Day. What better way to celebrate Father's Day is to come out and have some fun, talk a little trash, and support a good cause. Registration is open, and we hope to see you there. Welcome back. So, Sue, are you saying? Lutheran Social Services has actually been organizations that were by themselves and then have come in and partnered with Lutheran Social Services to help them to continue to grow and provide more services and then with hands-on. Lutheran Social Services does things like HR and finance and IT, those kind of services. And then the programs like hands-on or choices or faith mission are able to, the people who work in the programs can just do the work of the programs because all the financial stuff and development is being done by LSS. So it's really a nice setup to be able, for the folks who are in the programs, to really to be able to focus on that work. How does LSS go about educating the community? I mean, I know you said just like talking on our program here today, Mm -hmm. but what are some of the avenues that you use to help educate the community? Um, So we have a lot of brochures, and we have small cards, like a business-sized card, that has information about choices that are, we have them put out in bathrooms all over the city and county. Um, it's an easy place for a victim to pick up something and because it's so small, they can usually hide it um, in a pocket or something so that the abuser doesn't know that they have it. We have information on our website. We have some billboards. So lots of different ways, really any avenue that's open to us to getting word out, particularly to people who need our services, we're, we're going to take it. If there's an opportunity, we're going to take it. Ernie, do you have anything regarding the educational portion of it? No, not 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 particularly. I, I think it's a good program, a, a good way for the, the victims, hope that's not, you know, a bad word, victims, but for no. them to get another start. So can you tell us um, such a case that might have been one of your worst and uh-huh. one that was one of your success stories? <sighs> that's a hard question. And, I, you know, I think um, I will tell you a couple of things that really stick with me. And I don't know if this is the worst, but it was when I was, it's not the worst, but when I was kind of new at Choices, I took a crisis call and I was talking to a woman and she said, if I leave tonight, I can escape with all of my children. And in that, I heard her struggling that she might have to leave a child behind. Uh, I will tell you, to this day, I can hear her voice in my head. It just had such impact on me that that, her big fear was she could not get her whole family out together. So that was one. That was a hard one, at least for me. Um, She did make it in, and she made it in with all of her children, I'm happy to say. Success stories, I'm telling you, there. I feel like there are so many. Um, one of the joys at Choices, I think, is watching people in shelter come in in this place where they are just literally beaten down and leaving with a sense of self-worth and self-confidence. I can tell you of a mom with two small twin girls. They were in the shelter for probably a little longer than usual. I would say they were probably there for three or so months. During this time, Mom got a job. She started, for the first time in her life, started working. 
Um, she actually went to uh, one of our cooks and said, I have never been allowed to go to the grocery store. I don't know how to get food for my children. And the cook helped her with making grocery lists and talking about how she could prepare food. And then eventually she found housing and she and her two girls moved out um, really prepared to move forward in life. That's great. I'm sure there were plenty of those, like you said. There and I are appreciate plenty you of those, yes. Do you ever get, I mean, I know that domestic violence is pretty dark. Do you yes. ever burned out or feel like you're going to get burned out? And if so, what do you do to recharge? Well, I think, um, as I said before, I've been a social worker for a very long time. Um, I think one of the things that it's really important for everyone to do who's in a helping profession, working with people who are struggling or suffering, is to take good care of themselves and to do it regularly. So if I'm taking care of me and I'm healthy and strong, then I'm a better helper, um, and it helps me from getting burned out. I don't know that I've ever felt burnt out at choices. I've certainly have been times where I felt overwhelmed or when someone's story was so horrific, it was, it was hard to hear. And you just have to know in those moments what you need to do as an individual to take care of yourself. For me, it's step away and have a little more home time. Home is very grounding for me, so that's what I do, but I think everybody kind of has to find their own way of taking care of themselves. Do you have a phone number that our listeners can call or a website that our listeners can, you know, log on to and find more out about the social services and what the things that you offer? Yeah. So the website is LSS Network of Hope backslash choices. Or if you just go to LSS Network of Hope, you can get from that page to choices. Um, our crisis hotline number is super important, so I'd really like to get that out. And that number is 614 224 4663. Well, Sue, it has been a pleasure talking to you today about choices. I hope you don't mind if we reach out to you to talk about the other, what is the other program that you're involved in? Faith Mission and Hands-On Central Ohio. Okay. Do you mind coming back on our show to discuss those with us? I would love to. Great. Our time Thank has you. come to an end. <laughs> no problem. Our time has come to an end. So, Sue, I'd like to once again thank you for coming and being on our show. Yeah, thank you, you for having me. And Mr. Ernie Kelly, I also thank you for being present here today with me. Hey, no problem. It's been, uh, it's been a very informative discussion. Yes, it has. Thank you, Sue, for joining us. Uh, domestic violence is such an important topic, topic in our uh, society today that we had some, uh, just wanted to recap on some things that may help you to be able to, to identify uh, domestic violence in some relationships. Again, domestic vi abuse, they often focus on domestic violence, but domestic abuse includes any attempt by one person in an intimate relationship or marriage to dominate or control the other. Domestic violence and abuse are used for one purpose and one purpose only, to gain and maintain total control over you. An abuser doesn't play fair. An abuser uses fear, guilt, shame, and intimidation to weigh you down and keep you under their thumb. Again, some signs of domestic abuse is feeling afraid your partner much of the time, avoid certain topics out of fear of angering your partner, feel that you can't do anything right for your partner, believe that you deserve to be hurt or mistreated, wonder if you're the one who is crazy or feel emotionally numb or helpless. Does your partner humiliate, 
or yell at you, criticize and put you down, treat you so badly that you're embarrassed for your friends or family to see, ignore or put down your opinions or accomplishments, blame you for their own abusive behavior, see you as property or sex object rather than a person, have a bad and unpredictable uh, temper, hurt you or threaten to hurt or kill you, threaten to take your children away or harm them, threaten to commit suicide if you leave, but force you to have sex, destroy your belongings, um, act excessively jealous and possessive, control where you go, what you do, keep you from seeing your friends or family, limit your access to money, the phone or the car, or constantly check up on you. Emotional abuse is a bigger problem than you think. Emotional abuse includes verbal abuse, abusers who use emotional, physical, psychological abuse. The scars of emotional abuse are very real, originally uh, controlling your finances, withholding money or credit, making you account for every penny you spend, withholding basic necessities, food, clothes, medication, shelter, restricting you to an allowance. Abusive behavior is a choice, despite what many people believe domestic violence and abuse does not take place because an abuser loses control over their behavior. In fact, abusive behavior and violence is a deliberate choice to gain control. Dominance, humiliation, isolation, threats, intimidation, denial and blame. Abusers pick and choose whom to abuse, carefully choose when and where to abuse, able to stop their abusive behavior when it benefits them, and usually direct their blows where they won't show. It's a cycle, cycle violence, um, domestic abuse, abuse, guilt, excuses, normal behavior, fantasy, then set up. Here are some warning signs. Uh, seem afraid of, anxious to please their partner. They go along with everything their partner says or does. Check in often with their partner to report where they are, what they're doing. Receive frequent harassing phone calls. Talk about their temper or jealousy, possessiveness. And here's some warning signs of physical violence and frequent injuries with excuse of accident, frequently miss work, school, or social occasions, dress and clothing designed to hide abusive scars, uh, warning signs of isolation could be restricted from seeing family and friends, rarely going out in public, um, having limited access to money or credit, and it's also psychological. You have very low self-esteem if they used to be confident, show majority personality changes, be depressed, anxious, or suicidal. So speak up if you suspect domestic violence or abuse, call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline. The number is 1-800-799-7233. Again, 1-800-799-7233. The Faith Thomas Foundation would like to thank you for listening to The Cell. We broadcast on WGRN 94.1 FM every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. You can also stream us live on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. on WGRN 94.1. For more information on the Faith Thomas Foundation, please visit our website, Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is FaithThomasFDN.